Hello and welcome to the Entertainment Biz. I'm your host, Andy G. Today we're here with Polly Anna Reed. She's a professional journalist and the co-founder of New Girl on the Block, a one-of-a-kind mentorship program for millennial women. Among her various accomplishments, Pollyanna has established herself as a senior contributor to Forbes and Business Insider, as well as being a ghostwriter for several celebrities. Pollyanna has 10 years of experience working in the media industry and another 10 years working in the corporate world. She is also known to be a regularly featured expert on national television platforms. And last but not least, Pollyanna is also a professional public speaker, author, and a mental health advocate. This woman's voice is powerful, and she has undeniably become a leader in the female community. Hi, Pollyanna. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've been following you for a while now, and I'm so happy that we were finally able to connect. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well. Thank you. How are you? Very good. I'm so excited to be talking to you, to finally have, you know, met you. So it's, it's amazing. So (laughs) Pollyanna, please tell me about your background story and how that led you to where you are today. Yeah, background story. So, you know, whenever someone asks me to introduce myself, I always say that I'm a millennial woman who fought for her dreams and won. Um, You know, I think our society is so addicted to titles and I Mm -hmm. want to encourage people to think about who they are beyond them. Um, Backstory, I grew up in a very traditional household. You know, my parents, my family encouraged me to play it safe and to color within the lines. I was not encouraged to take many risks. Um, you know, and rightfully so, you know, I'm a female, I'm a, I'm a black female, I'm young at that. And so, you know, they're just looking out for me. Um, but I've always been a little bit of a rebellious child. I've always been a big dreamer and believer and thinker. I've always been very imaginative. And so as you can imagine, you know, like most people, young people today, um, there was definitely a clash in, in our visions. Um, but I think cowardly, I allowed other people to define and design my life for me um, before I actually took the reins myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that exchange happened when I was in college. Um, I've lived with depression and anxiety my entire life. And it wasn't until I hit college um, and I had a very unfortunate incident um, that uh, caused me to drop out of college um, that I realized that, like, you know, I have the power to. I have the power to, you know, take my own steps forward and make my own decisions. And, um, you know, leaving school was one of the best decisions I had ever made because it really forced me to follow my face and fail forward, fail fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been just going ever since. Incredible. So when and how did you find your purpose in this line of work along your journey? So I think purpose is something that you exercise every day. I think a lot of people are very confused and frustrated and uh, uh, depressed as a result of thinking that their purpose is attached to a title or a job or like a final destination. Um, I believe that you should be connecting the dots of your life. And I think your purpose reveals itself in the actions that take place. And so, you know, anytime that you have solved a problem at work or, you know, contributed to a project at school, or if you think about some of the texts or the conversations that you have with your friends and, you know, what are some questions that they ask you? I feel like 
it requires a level of self-awareness and emotional intelligence to really tap into your purpose. I mean, my purpose is, you know, I help people see beyond the limits of their circumstances. And that's evident in every single thing that I do. And all the titles that I have and the accolades and all that, I mean, those are just vessels that I've used to exercise this purpose. Right. I love that. I love all that you stand for. I'm a huge fan of everything that you talk about. I can relate to everything. (laughs) And now I like that you mentioned that you dropped out of college and that that was the best thing that happened to you uh, at the time. Um, So it was because I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on the overall value and whether or not it's necessary to go to college in order to succeed in the media industry? I think that it's a combination of both. Oftentimes I wonder, you know, what I missed in those four years. But then when I really think about it, I mean, I'm running circles around all of my friends with four-year degrees, right? So I think that it's a combination of books and street smarts. I mean, I'm heavy on the street smarts. I was never a scholar. I was straight C&D student. Um, So for me, you know, I think there's nothing that's a greater um, lesson or learning curve than real life experience through internships and working under mentors and volunteering and, and just really getting your hands dirty. There's so many things that, I mean, I mentor a zillion people. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a mentorship program and, and one thing I've noticed is that my generation lacks problem solving and critical thinking skills. And, um, you know, they're going to college and, and graduating without the necessary skills to really, to really take that step forward and really figure out like what's next. And so I, I've kind of gathered all of this data and research just from having conversations. And I spend about 30 to 40 hours a week with young adults, just listening to them. And so a lot of their pain points just come from, you know, their default setting is saying, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. I don't know what step to take forward. I don't have the answer. And I'm like, you pay so much money. You would think that they would do some sort of personal development, some sort of, you know, confidence building that you would think that they would give you the tools so that you could catapult yourself into success. Um, But it's just, it's not, it's a business. It's not built that way. Yeah, no, for sure. I was one of those as well when I was in college. I mean, I graduated, I ended up graduating, but it took me a while, you know? And honestly, if I, like, I know that, you know, everything brought me here, for example, for a reason, and I went through what I needed to go through. But a lot of times I find myself saying, oh, I wish I would have dropped out. I wish I would have never started college because I was very lost. Just like you're saying, you know, just like the the kids that you mentor, the, the young adults that you're talking to, I was extremely lost while I was in college. And when I graduated, I had no clue. So yeah, I think, I think college, I mean, there are, I'm sure, listen, I'm sure there are lessons within school. I mean, we learn how to manage our time. Mm-hmm. We learn how to build interpersonal skills. But in terms of like industry specific, I do find that in creative industries, mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing like working alongside a mentor. There's nothing like really volunteering your time, working on set, practicing and refining yeah. your skills. I mean, I'm you know, at an elite level in my writing career, but I failed grade 11 and 12 English. I didn't go to school for journalism. It's one of those things that I really, I really just thought about like, what is, what, what's, what makes the most sense in terms of the next step that I need to take. And I leaned on and I stand on, I stood on the shoulders of giants along the way. 
Yeah. It's really that hands-on experience for sure. Yeah. For sure. And what did it take? Like, what do you believe were the key factors that allowed you to be a successful woman in the media? Because there's a lot of men. I remember that when I was in college. Because I, I studied communication, so I did a couple internships. And, you know, back like 12 years ago, like whenever I graduated, it was a while ago. It was all men. So how did you do it? I mean, there are women who have sponsored me and really put their name on the line for me and reached back and lifted as they climbed. And so for me, you know, I am in a position where I have access Mm -hmm. to certain rooms and spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think success is, I define success by giving more than you take from this world. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that I'm also reaching back and helping the next generation leaders and voices, making sure that they also have a seat at the table. Right. And so I think that, um, one thing that really helped me is just like not waiting for people to pick me, not waiting for people to select me, but really like raising my hand, asking the question, um, setting up informational interviews with people who are older, wiser, OGs in mm-hmm. the game. Um, and then also building my own platform, right? I think that right. when you think about like, how can I, what's the lowest barrier to entry or how can I enter a certain space or room or opportunity you really have to ask yourself, am I the type of woman that world-class performers actually want to fuck with? Right? Like you really, like a lot of people just, you know, don't have the talent or the skills, right? A lot of people are lying to themselves, right? And a lot of people need to just do that check-in to Mm -hmm. be, you know what I mean? Just make sure you do that check-in with yourself to really understand, like if I approach this person, if I raise my hand for this opportunity, you know, what is my value proposition? Like, why would someone want to choose me? And so I do that. Those are important questions that I ask myself every single day. Wow. Love it. And how did you become a senior contributor to Forbes and Business Insider? How did that start? I mean, my journalism career started 10 years ago. I dropped out in 2008. I started a blog in 2010. And I built a platform. If you want to be a writer, then the world needs to know to enter and penetrate the industry with no history of mm-hmm. success, with no history of work ethic. So I had a blog for many years. I still mm. do. And I also, you know, I wrote for free and I assisted different people in my circle. And then um, based off my work ethic and my passion, my mentor actually took note of how committed I was to my blog 10 years ago. And she made a phone call and she connected me to the editor in chief of a publishing house here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the next four years, I was published in every major newspaper across the country. Um, I took that experience. I ran with it. I published a book next. I took a break from journalism and then I reemerged by, you know, I had, you know, volunteered and worked for several mentors and I Mm -hmm. asked one of them, you know, I thought that I had paid my dues and I asked one of them, you know, could you help me pursue this opportunity? What do the next steps look like? Because I knew she had a great relationship with the Forbes family. Right. And so she co-signed and she introduced me. Um, but when she brought me into the room, it was my, it was up to me not to mess up that opportunity, right? It was right, up to right. me to nurture the relationship. Um, so I think sponsors are something that a lot of women are lacking 
um, mm-hmm. in their network, having someone to co-sign you, having someone to advocate for you when you're not in the room, put their name on the line for you, send an introductory email or phone call. I have several of those in my circle. And I'm very, very fortunate because without a degree, a lot, you know, there are just certain spaces. I shouldn't even say without a degree, but as a black woman, there's certain rooms that I will not be invited into and I need someone to, to co-sign me. And so I'm just, I'm very blessed to have that opportunity. So yes, it was yeah. a matter of putting in the work over several years, mm-hmm. asking for the opportunity. Someone co-signs me. I nurtured the relationship and in 2017 is when I started um, my relationship with Forbes. Wow. I really love what you said, you know, asking, cause you have to ask for what you want. You know, you have to speak up. After you feel like you've deserved it, though, don't right. just be asking for shit. Oh like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, but like you'd be so you'd be so surprised. You know, a lot of people have the audacity to raise their hands prematurely, and I think I think it's I think that's crazy, right? right. I think there's a difference. Amanda Seals often talks about the difference between your self worth and your market value, and I think you know within your little bubble, you and your friends, like you may think that you're dope, you may think that you got the skills. But what does the market have to say about you? What do your mm-hmm. industry peers have to say about you? How are you perceived in the market? Like, that's very important. Like, what is right. your, so that's what you really have to measure. It's not enough for you to think, you know, of course you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to exude that confidence. But like, if you're the only person, if your mouth is the only evidence right. that you're the, an expert at what you do and no one else is co-signing you, then that's a problem right there. And you have more work to do before you ask for any opportunities. Amazing advice. I really, really agree with all of that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, what are people saying about you? Who's going to refer you? You know, who has your back? Who, what, what are exactly. they saying when you're not in the room? Right. Extremely important. Completely agree. And uh, Pollyanna, tell me about you being a celebrity ghostwriter. What, is, what does that mean? What's the process like? Yeah, sure. So a lot of people are familiar with ghostwriting in the context of the music industry. So writing lyrics for rappers and singers. Um, I work in the context of the business side of things. So I help the leaders and doers who are shaping the future. I help turn their personal stories into brand assets. Mm. So that could be politicians, high power executives, athletes, celebrities. And I work with them to produce books keynote speeches, public statements, um, crisis communications. It could be, you know, um, investor pitch decks, like anything content related, uh, helping them deepen the relationship with their audience, maybe through, you know, their podcast treatment or their Mm -hmm. social media. So anything content related where they have to stand for something or fight for something or contribute to a conversation, um, where those three things intersect, that's where my zone of genius is. Mm-hmm. And so I get called into these rooms to help strategize um, because as you have probably noticed, you know, cu- cancel culture is a very real thing. A lot of people yeah. are not speaking up because they are afraid of what may happen if they go against the grain or if they say something that they truly feel that may be in disagreement with other people. So um, it's nice to have a content ninja in your back pocket so you can bounce ideas off of, um, so that, uh, you feel a lot more confident when you hit published or when you say, when you hit publish or when you say something. Wow. That sounds really interesting. Hard. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff. a job that I kind of just made up myself, to be honest. It's not something that you can take at school. That's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> 
And what advice would you give to aspiring journalists and writers who are looking to build a strong portfolio and ultimately build a career around their creative writing skills? I mean, obviously you said, you know, put yourself out there, uh, ask, get sponsored. But, you know, for those really like the new ones that don't really know really much, you know, where to start. What would you start by start by your having your own platform? Like, I think that it's important to have a dot com. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be an expert in your field. You don't have to be the best in your field yet. Like your dot com is where you're able to exercise your creativity. And honestly, like a lot of people kind of looked at me crazy. This was like a long time ago. So like if you had a dot com, like you were something. And like I was, I really wasn't popping like that. And so people are like, why do you have a website? <laughs> and people are just like, that's weird, you know? And so for me, it was a matter of like, I knew the woman that I was, I was going to become and I had to start the path of taking the steps to become her. So I knew that I needed to have a website. So I started blogging. I used my blog as a personal diary and I would just mm-hmm. share the thoughts and experiences that I was going through. So that's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is to make sure that you are, you're on Twitter. Twitter is so under... Twitter and LinkedIn, but Twitter mm-hmm. mainly, if you're a writer, that's where you need to be, right? That is where the party is at if you're a writer, right? It's so great to jump into conversations. I get a lot of my news. Um, you, can, you, know, you can easily build a reputation as a thought leader, as someone who's very opinionated on Twitter. Um, so I would say between those two things, then the third thing is just really being consistent and committed. I think most people don't stick to anything long enough to master it. And so you have young people who are switching careers or dropping out or giving up after 10 weeks or 10 months. I mean, my career has lasted 10 years. And honestly, if I didn't get paid a a dollar, you know, I would still be, I I love what I do. And I'm very fortunate to be able to wake up and like, you know, I jump out of bed because I have that sense of urgency. I think you really just have to stay the course because in the beginning, no one is going to give a fuck about what you write about and you, no one's going to like or comment or share your shit. You really have to, yeah. you really have to, you know, talk yourself into staying the course regardless of the vanity metric. So right. for me, it's like, you know, I didn't really care about outside noise. You know, if, if people messed with my stuff, cool. If they didn't, I was still proud of it. Right. It was mm-hmm. still something that I was, I knew that I was playing a long game. I don't care about the short term. Right. So right. for me, that has always been most important. Yeah. definitely agree with every single thing that you said. So if, so if somebody starts with, you know, just writing about their own personal, you know, story or battles or, you know, whatever topic they want to touch on, um, then that is how you would, would you say that that's how they're now, uh, able to get somebody else that they can write about? Later yeah, on. I think the lowest barrier to entry is interviews, right? So part of being a journalist is being able to conduct interviews and being able to research, right? And pull the best, inf- extract the best information and right. great piece. So I would say when I was, okay, so I was, what, in my early 20s when I was blogging, how I was able to make connections to very high profile people as I interviewed them. And so I had a interview series on my blog and I would reach out to people that I saw on Shark Tank and Dragon's Den and, and things of that nature. People I would read about in magazines. I would literally just email them and ask them if they could be a part of my series. Obviously I was very professional about it. And then that planted a seed. In fact, that's how I met the sponsor that connected me to Forbes. I saw her on wow. Shark Tank. 
I saw, I saw her on Shark Tank, I believe it was, and um, it, into maybe 2014, 15. And I approached her, and she, and, you know, obviously as a new entrepreneur, she's like, hell yeah, she, you know, everyone wants press. And so, you know, that was a low barrier to entry to start these conversations with all these big wigs that probably otherwise wouldn't even look at me. Right. Uh, yeah. That's the strategy. Now, Pollyanna, what are some unique tips and tricks that you could offer to younger professionals who are just getting started in the PR world, specifically how to successfully pitch themselves or their clients to news and media outlets professionally? I think that you really want to make sure that your client has the ability to solve a problem or a need for the audience that you are pitching to, right? So if you're pitching to Inc. or Fast Company or the Every Girl um, or, you know, Cosmo, I -hmm. think that you just have to really research the landscape and understand who reads that publication or who watches that television show or whatnot. And then you have to pitch according to the problem that you feel like that audience um, wants a solution to. So I think many people pitch from an ego driven place, right? The client just like wants to see their name in lights or wants to see that Forbes banner across their website. But, you know, a lot of times I think people think that their story is inspirational. And like, while that is, that does play a factor, it's not everything. You know, if people pitch me and I don't see a solution to a problem, Mm or a need, right? You know, at Forbes, you know, our audience is very forward thinking. They're innovators. They're, they're yeah. entrepreneurial minded. And so they want to be able to read an article and put shit into action right away. So if I see a pitch and there's no solutions, or if you offer me solutions that I've already written about, or that's, right. over, or that's overdone, it's like, eh, it's not really, you know what I mean? It's not really my jam. I mean, Right now, I'm writing about female leaders who are shaping the future. Um, And so, you know, that's a pretty wide spectrum. So, like, I welcome pitches, but, like, I need to see, like, are you, when you're pitching to me on a particular subject matter, what makes you the best person to speak on that subject? That's also what I look for, right? Because if you say, oh, I want to speak to, you know, the power of introverts, I'm mm-hmm. going to compare you to Susan Cain, who's actually written about it, did a TED Talk about it, and is the GOAT when it comes to speaking about the power of introverts, right? Like, you can't just nominate yourself to say, like, I'm, like, I'm going to do my research to, to, to verify that you are the absolute best and top person to speak to this. Incredible. I love all the information that you talk about. It's so valuable, you know? It's just very unique on... Too, you know, you're so real. I love that about you. Thank you. And now, Pollyanna, please tell me more about your millennial mentorship program and also about that scholarship that you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So I run a mentorship program, New Girl on the Block. Nice. So we turn distant dreams into noteworthy achievements. Mentorship has always been very important to me. Um, I have six mentors in my life. They've all mentored me over well over five years. And so I, you know, I really, I'm really passionate and I really feel for women who don't have anyone checking for them nobody advocating for them. And so if I can do that for someone and show them that there are successful women who are in positions Mm -hmm. and willing to help them, hopefully that will give them the confidence to raise their hand a little bit more. Um, So to date, we've hit, we just hit 11 countries. Um, And then 
you know, the scope of the student body. So we get, I would say I get a, a thousand applicants a year, um, show you how competitive it is. I don't, I don't just mentor people that step to me. Right. I only feed people who are hungry. Mm-hmm. And so I only feed people who are hungry. Yeah, I only see people who are hungry. And so for me, you know, I really have to see that willpower because I, you know, I don't want my time wasted of and course. I don't want their time wasted. So yeah. we have a pretty high, we have a pretty high success rate. I would say 98% and um, women from all backgrounds um, and, you know, that have the desire to win. That's incredible. Is there an age limit? Um, millennial women mainly, but okay. I have uh, definitely mentored women who are in their teens and women who are older than that, but it's mainly millennial women. Many millennials. Amazing. Now, Pollyanna, for my last few questions, I want to dive more into the personal growth and mindset. So if you could go back and do anything differently that would have avoided any setbacks and that would have gotten you to where you are today a lot sooner, what would that be if there's anything that you would change? There's absolutely nothing I would change. I feel like everything is necessary. Um, I pro- if I had to choose one thing, I probably would, would have tightened up on, um, well, I don't know if it's a personal growth thing, but in the context of business, I would have hired a lawyer, an accountant. Um, I, would ha- I would have hired the necessary professionals a lot sooner. I kind of, you know, a lot of those people come with price tags, big ones. And so I delayed that process and I feel like I could have been a lot further had I tightened up on my paperwork a lot sooner. I mean, now we're, you know, I'm in a good space, but I think, you know, when early on, you know, your, the budget is tight, right. And you don't always want to pay $700 to a lawyer every time you have to pick up the phone. So I would say that, Uh, but personally, honestly, no, like everyone who, I believe in trusting the timing of your life and everything happens for a reason. Exactly. Now you did mention your mentors, uh, the woman that sponsored you, um, you know, and contributed to your career growth. So what was the most valuable lesson that you learned from her? Uh, <laughs> or any other mentor that you have? No, she, had? no, she, she's just so funny. Um, <laughs> she honestly, like she, taught me to operate like a white guy. She taught me to make decisions, make them bold, raise my hand, and to always ask myself, you know, what would Chad, Brad, or, you know, John do? Um, You know, the boys club, they talk at length amongst each other about how to build massive wealth. And so she also taught me about talking about money. And so I think that has been definitely the best advice she's given me. Amazing. Strong women. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is there anything that you do as part of your daily routine or at least when preparing for big moments to help you shift into that brave and empowered mindset that you talk about? Um... That's a good question. Um, yeah, because you know what? I'm afraid of everything. Um, but I think that, and I think it's important for people to know that successful people are, you know, fear does not escape us just because we've reached a certain position. Um, for me, it's really important that I, I think that the conversations that you have with yourself determine whether you win or lose. Mm-hmm. And 
I hype myself up every day. I don't have to wait until I have a big speech or a big engagement. I have those winning conversations every single morning. And that really gets me pumped and also raises my vibration so that I attract really good opportunities into my life. So for me, it's about, I think the most important lesson that we've all learned during this pandemic is to be still. And so I've been spending a lot of time by myself just having those conversations as to you know, about what do I want out of life? How do I want to shift my life? How do I want to redesign it? What does that look like? And being very specific with those goals. Yeah, completely. Affirmations are very important. You got to speak to that subconscious mind and start, you know, manifesting for sure. Now, if you were sitting um, across the table from your uh, younger self, I mean, would there be anything that you would tell yourself yeah. Chase your dreams instead of chasing these niggas. <laughs> <laughs> Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time, girl. That's probably exactly. what I would have said. Okay. <laughs> let, let me, let me rephrase that. Chase these dreams instead of chasing men. Okay. Like I think it's really important. When I was young, I was out here. I was in these streets. Okay. Like I was, <laughs> I was not focused. Let's just put, that, put it that way. Um, And I went through a lot of trauma, actually, as a result of it. As a result of being fast, I went through a lot of trauma, um, you know, and it definitely is something that I'm still working through as an adult. So I would say, you know, the the decisions that you make when you're younger, Mm -hmm. you will pay for them later on. Yes. So I would definitely, I would have told my younger self to chill out. You don't have to go to every party. You don't have to entertain every conversation with another man. You don't have to go on every date that is asked of you. You know, you can, uh, you don't have to treat your body like discarded trash. Um, and so I wish that I didn't learn that the hard way. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I can definitely resonate with everything that you're saying because that is something that I have also, you know, realized as an adult, you know, you're just like, okay, all the things that in your teens that you just think are fun and games or you, you know, expose yourself to danger and things like that. And it's like, at that moment, you don't notice, you don't realize what's happening. And then all of a sudden, when you're a grown woman and an adult, you're all of a sudden starting to to remember all this stuff and you don't know what's happening and and having to recover from that trauma. So that's very real. Exactly. Very real. Now as a mental health advocate and having been very open on social media about your own personal battles, which is something that I truly admire about you, by the way, um, I also have anxiety and depression myself. So, um, you know, for you to be so open about it, uh, you know, that gives you know, so many women, I believe, and I mean myself, that strength to know that you're not alone. So what advice would you give other women who are trying to overcome that anxiety and depression and any other adversities that may be holding them back from achieving their goals and their dreams? My advice is always to see a medical professional. I don't know, like, who started this conversation around, like, how we can't, like, it's very, as someone who was diagnosed in 2010, the best thing I could have done for myself is raise my hand and talk to a medical professional who could not just diagnose me, but help me along the journey. Right. So I think that too, like, and this is a big conversation, like the women empowerment space, like we are giving each other advice with like no background in mental health. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like I am not like, I, of course I could say what works for me, 
but it doesn't mean it's going to work for anyone listening, mm-hmm. right? Like I think the recovery process is very specific to the individual. I think the recovery process requires experimentation, right? You just, you don't know what's going to work until you try it. Like I've done yeah. everything from individual therapy and group therapy and working out and lifestyle changes and medication, like, and that's like 10 years in the making. So it's interesting you ask that because I get that question a lot and it's like, it's hard for me. Sometimes it's hard for me to answer because honestly, mm. like I have, I have an advantage than most people because my doctor have played a very instrumental role. A lot of people don't have family doctors. A lot yeah. of people can't afford to go to a doctor. Yeah, like exactly. My, my doctor was a white guy. He was famous. He was wealthy. He could make a phone call and I would have what I needed. Like people, that's not a normal circumstance for a lot of people. Right. So I would say, talk to a medical professional if you have access to one. Um, understand that it does get better. There is life after disappointment. The third thing I would say is, you know, the only way I know how to climb out of any hole that I'm in is gradually, mm-hmm. right? So it's really about taking it one day at a time, celebrating small victories. Um, and I would hope that everyone has at least one person in their circle that they can confide in and trust. Whenever I was having panic attacks, mm. I have two friends, two friends and also my parents who have been very instrumental, but I have two girlfriends. I can call them. They can, I don't even have to say anything because most times when you're having a panic attack, you're crying yeah, no. so mm-hmm. that you can't even articulate words, but they could feel my energy through the phone. They know exactly what they need to do, right? Like I have yeah. friends who know my triggers. They help me avoid the trigger. Like it's, it's such a process, right? Yeah, so yeah. I feel like you just have to be ready for, just get ready for the battle because it is an uphill battle and you have yeah. to stay committed to it. For sure. And, you know, just surrounding yourself, you know, with supportive people. And I think it's very important, like you said, to talk about it because if you don't talk about it, nobody knows anything. No, there's nobody there to even try to help you. You don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. You know, personally, I found out what I was going through because I ran into a book randomly and I was like, wait, the title of this, are you having this, this? I was like, wait, that's me. Right. Oh my gosh. There's an answer to what I'm experiencing, you know, because I thought I was going crazy. Right. It's so scary. It's definitely scary. And and if there's, you know, um, there's parents out there that don't really know too much about mental health, you know, because it wasn't talked about. So yeah, definitely. I agree with everything that you said, speak up and just be around people that are going to support you for sure. Thanks so much for sharing that Pollyanna. No problem. Now, are there any upcoming projects or services you want to tell us about? Um, I mean, every year the goal is to take December off. So I'm actually trying to wind down a lot. Um, You know, this year is just, listen, we all had plans this year that got messed up. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's just trying to survive Um, right now. I am focused on keeping all of my existing clients happy. Um, I am ghostwriting several books. My team is awesome. We are ninjas we're getting everything done on schedule so like i'm just focused on what's on my plate right now right Um, but if anyone listening is interested in you know working with me in a mentorship capacity a ghostwriting capacity 
a public speaking capacity. I'm very accessible. Um, you can Google my name. I'm everywhere. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you. That's incredible. How many people do you have on your team, by the way? I have 12 writers. I have eight transcribers. I have a personal assistant. I have an assistant for my assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I have a graphic design. I have so, I, I would say maybe about like 16 to 18. Wow. Say. Yeah. It's a well, lot. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you have all those people behind you because you're definitely doing a lot and you're definitely changing lives for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Pollyanna, I know you said look that people can look for you on Google, but is there anywhere that you specifically like people to contact you? Email's fine, always. Pollyanna at pollyannareed.com. Awesome. Thanks, Pollyanna. Thank you so much again for being here with me today. You're such a light. You're an inspiration for women everywhere. I'm Thank speaking you. for them right now. <laughs> and I will absolutely refer any friends or peers who would benefit from your mentorship program going forward. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I wish you continued abundant success. I fully support your mission and I will definitely stay in touch. Awesome. Bye. Bye, Pollyanna.